Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning on uh, on this New Year's Eve, the last day of the year. What a great day to come together and worship and reflect and kind of take inventory as Jordan was saying as he was leading us in our pastoral prayer. Um, we're really glad to get to to be with you to remember this past year, look ahead to next year, but just kind of be in the moment. And hopefully through the worship, through the teaching of the word, um, through the administering of the elements at the end of the service for the Lord's Supper, like just to have the Lord speak to us one more time in a corporate setting before this year closes. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. So if you want to open that up, that's the first book in the New Testament. Uh, it's a uh, it's the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew's account of the life of Jesus. And so again, that's Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It's Matthew's conversion story. And, uh, and so Matthew does record his own conversion. He records this book. But with this passage, as with all passages, yes, it was written by the hand of Matthew, but we believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Matthew recorded exactly what the Lord wanted us to hear. And therefore, this is the word of God to us. So listen as I read this morning. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners, they came and they were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. You know, I, I believe that when Jesus calls us to follow him, you can either stay where you are or you can follow him, but you can't stay where you are and follow him. And as we just heard the words of God spoken to us in the reading of the word, I think what we see is a man who encountered Jesus and whose life was radically altered. And to put it simply, that is what we're here for every week. We want to encounter Jesus. We want to find a hope that is beyond this world. And we want our lives to be radically altered. We want to have a hope that matches what we sing in all these songs, what we hear every sermon. And Matthew found it because Jesus found him. You know, uh, in 2023, I, I, I lead our young adult ministry here, and we, we gather every Tuesday night in this room, and many of you are a part of that, and um, I probably preached, I don't know, probably wrote 40-something sermons this year, and uh, and when it came time for today, um, it was, hey, what? how do we want to end the year, and uh, and I just kept thinking about this sermon that um, that was a Tuesday night back the first part of June, and it was this this passage. It was the call of Matthew, and I think the reason that this passage kept coming to mind on how I really wanted to end this year is because 
if I had to put a theme verse on the year, I would put Isaiah 9-2 as a theme verse for me and what I saw the Lord do so often in this place in 2023. I'll just read you um, that verse. It says this. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Our, our last young adult gathering was, was a couple of Tuesdays ago, and uh, we always take a break as we enter into Christmas and New Year. And uh, as we were ending the year on December 12th, we, um, we had a bunch of people stand to say thank you, our volunteers, our serve teams, our small group leaders. But then we did something I haven't done before. It was a roll of the dice. Um, it was like, a, at least I felt like it was a gamble because um, I was going to ask some people to be real brave. And so I came up with three categories, people who had come to Christ, been saved this year, people who have rededicated their life to the Lord were far away and have come back, and then people who, uh, who, who were, and it could be a blend of those two, who had participated in publicly declaring their faith through believer's baptism. And so I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and get it over with. Let's start and see if anybody will stand and show that they had been saved this year by the Lord. And, uh, and I said, so if you've been saved this year, would you please stand? And I was like, I was kind of squinting, like, let's just move through this quick. I know we have some people that have been baptized. I know we have some people that have like come back to the Lord. We'll get to those fast. And so I said it and I made myself like, uh, you know, like pause. And then, um, and then a young man stood over here and then over here and then a lady over here and people just kept popping up. And then people who had come back to the Lord that were far away and many people who had participated in baptism. And it was just, it was just thrilling to see what's happened in so many small groups and so many conversations. And so I think if I had to put a, a theme verse to it, that's why I would pick Isaiah 9 too, because there's so many people who were walking in darkness that saw a great light. They were dwelling in a land of deep darkness and on them light has shone. And so I, I think that this calling of Matthew, Matthew was was. Uh, walking in darkness. He was dwelling in a land of darkness and the great light of Jesus shone in his life and he was forever changed. Let's pray as we look at this passage. Father, we do ask that you would speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit, that you, Lord, would give us um, a great stirring to affection for you, Lord, that you would draw us to follow you, whether it's the first time or whether we've been walking with you for years, Lord, help us to continue in the journey of following you. Speak to us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think it's it's always important, you know, when you're reading your Bible to not just take a passage and just like let it let it sit there and not have any idea of what's happening around that passage. I think that's just that is the same as if you're reading a book. You know, a bunch of you are like Heather and I. We're both you know reading books right now during like a little holiday break. It's kind of fun to just pick up a book and and read. But if I just opened the middle and started going, like it'd be a little confusing. So same with the Bible. You want to know what's happening before, what's happening after. So let's just real quick. Let me just show you through. Here's some exquisite artwork. 
Um, a little bit, there we go. All right, let me just show you, um, let me just show you a little bit of what's happening because chapters eight and nine in Matthew are kind of one story and it's broken up in your Bible, it's broken up in my Bible, but chapters eight and nine are kind of one story and so it's important to understand like what's happening, um, what's been going on. And so really Matthew's gonna put three sets of three miracles together and then interspersed between the first and, and second set of miracles and the, the second and third set of miracles are gonna be callings of people. And so you're gonna have this kind of sandwich effect and it's told for a reason. The Lord inspired it this way, Matthew recorded it this, this way, but it's very important to see the big picture. So what we have here in chapter eight would be, first you have a leper and, uh, and the leper comes to Jesus and he is healed. And then obviously a centurion, um, you have this centurion who comes to Christ and this is the guy whose servant is sick and he has great faith and Jesus honors his faith and he heals the, the servant. And then you have Peter's mother-in-law who is running a fever, Jesus heals her. And then many people that evening come to him and so uh, he heals them. And so that's the first set of three that Matthew includes in chapter eight. Then you get to this interesting moment of these two folks that come to Jesus to follow him. The first is a scribe, and the scribe is gonna follow Jesus, and Jesus famously says to the scribe, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. If you wanna read in a different version, if you're, like I, I typically read in the English Standard Version, the ESV, but, um, but I read this passage out of the message, and, uh, and it, it's great. Um, the, Eugene Peterson in the message, he says, uh, I believe, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but it's kind of the message though. Um, but he, uh, he, he says in there, he's like, hey, uh, Jesus says to him, hey, we don't stay in the best hotels. Can you deal with that? And I think the scribe is like looking for self-promotion. Let me follow Jesus so that I can get my name out there. I'm really good at recording details, writing stuff down. Let me follow Jesus, get my name out there. And Jesus is like, are you tough enough to follow me? And the guy's like, nope. And so then this guy comes up and he's like, hey, I will follow you. And he's actually one of Jesus' disciples, not one of the 12 that you or I know, but he's one of the, the outskirts of disciples. And he says, hey, I'll follow you. And Jesus says, uh, he says, but first let me go bury my father. And Jesus says to him harshly, we'll let the dead bury their own dead. And so this one, one of two reasons Jesus says that to him, either his father has already died, and in Judaism, you would, uh, you would let the, a person would die, and then you would give it a couple of years, and you would collect their bones and put their bones in a family burial plot with a bunch of other bones, and that would be the reason that this would, uh, that this would be the second burial, and that's why Jesus would say, let the dead bury their own dead, bones on bones, or his dad was just old, and he was waiting for him to die. Either way, this guy was procrastinating following Jesus. And so he doesn't follow. And then Matthew goes on and he records three more miracles. He records uh, a storm at sea. And, uh, and this is one where Jesus is asleep and they wake him up and he says, what's wrong with you, you cowards? And then he calms the storm. Then on the other side of the lake, there's these two demoniacs. He casts the demons out of them into pigs. Um, it's a great story, unless you're the pig. But it's, uh, it's you know, the, that, and so that's a miracle number two. And then there's a paralyzed man that is brought to Jesus and he is healed. This is our second set of three. Then we get to the call 
of Matthew. And so this is, this is kind of a, it's important that we understand what's been happening because Matthew's obviously going to say yes. And then after this, there's going to be three more miracles and another set of three that's going to conclude the whole thing. And Jesus famously ends this passage by saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. But let's look at this moment now that we understand the context. Let's, let's take a look and just see like, what is happening here? Why did Matthew say yes? And I think there's four things that we can, like, we can really kind of take home from this now that we understand the context. One is that um, Jesus is always going to demonstrate his worth before he calls a person. The Lord's always going to demonstrate himself before he calls a person. Um, I think this is obviously true. Um, God's call is so often at an inopportune time. And, uh, and this is true whether you are being saved, like, like coming to faith for the first time, or whether you are, are continuing a lifelong walk with the Lord. He calls us to do things at inopportune times. Um, and then he always asks us to leave a former life behind. That's why I opened with that statement that when Jesus calls you to follow, you can either stay where you are or you can follow him, but you can't stay where you are and follow him. He always asks us to leave that former life behind. And he redirects, the last one is, I think this is so important, he redirects our gifts for his purposes. He's the original repurposer. Uh, and so let's just start with that first idea. He demonstrates his worth before he calls. I want you to understand that life with the Lord is a relationship. And so if, if I was going to... Uh, if I was going to, to start a relationship with you, the first thing I would do is I would introduce myself. I see Josh on the front row over here. I would, now Josh and I, we, we would say we're friends. Is that right? Yes, we're friends. I'm so glad he said that. <laughs> would have been awkward had he not. Um, but we didn't just instantly start as friends. Josh and I met each other. And we introduced ourselves, and we had some chit-chat, and we found some common ground, and, and we served together at church. And, and after a while, all of a sudden, you look up, and you're kind of like, oh, we're friends. They go, we're friends now. Well, the Lord does the exact same thing. He, he introduces himself to us. We're so often oblivious to the fact that he's warming himself up to us. It seems so abrupt when he calls us. But if we look back, we can see his hand and realize he's been revealing himself to me just like you and I would if we were going to start a relationship. And so, and the scriptures, the scriptures attest to this. Um, I've got three verses to show you. Psalm 19.1, Romans 1, 18 through 20, and Romans 5.8. These, these are all important verses that kind of that, that support this idea. It says, 19.1, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of his hands or his handiwork. Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 20, God has shown it to them, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. I don't know if you were, um, was it, if, I think it was Friday. Was it Friday? Friday was like the, the super cold day when it was like cloudy all day. It's holiday break, things run together. I think it was Friday. 
Imagine with me, it was Friday. Terrible weather, super cold, gray all day. The only thing we were missing was, was snow. But, um, but Heather and I walked outside and looked and at, just at sunset, it was maybe the most magnificent sunset I have ever seen in Atlanta. And it broke through the clouds. There was a, a barrier of clouds all the way above, but there was this perfect line with the most incredible colors just coming at you. You almost needed to put on sunglasses and to, to understand how bright this was. I mean, it was so powerful. You try to take pictures with your phone, they never turn out right. Um, but it was beautiful. And, and you see the handiwork of the Lord. And he, he does that. He introduces himself to us. He warms himself up to us before he ever calls us. And that's this just through his invisible attributes, Paul says in Romans. But then we see physically how he reveals himself to us. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, uh, I think this year has been so interesting. A lot of times I'll meet with people um, on a Sunday. It's an easy time to meet with people. And so maybe during the 9 a.m. service, I will, uh, I'll go across to East Pole and I'll meet with folks. And a lot of folks, um, they, they've come to church, they've come to, um, they, they've been a part of some different things, and they'll say, hey, I've got questions, I'd like to talk to a pastor. And so I'll go across the street and I'll meet with them. And a lot of these folks are not yet followers of Christ. They're not yet Christians. They haven't been saved yet. And, uh, and as we sit down to, to, to talk about what it would look like for them to follow the Lord, it's, uh, it's amazing how clear it is to see the Lord has been revealing himself to these folks. He's been warming up to them. And then almost like clockwork, Near the end of their story, I'll hear about a Christian that has been introduced into their lives and how this friendship with this Christian has, has invoked this like jealousy of how do they have that? I want what they have. And again, it's the Lord like revealing himself to the people before he ever calls them. And so if you're sensing the call of the Lord, I would encourage you not to think so much about, like if you're Matthew, leaving the tax world behind. I would encourage you to really examine the one who's calling you. So important. You know, if you're interviewing for a job at a company, you're, you're going you're gonna to look at the, at, at the company and your boss as much as you are the job. Like, how good of a company is this? Does it have short tenure, long tenure? What does this look like? In the same way when the Lord is calling us, we want to examine him more than what we would have to like leave behind. And I just think that's very, very, it's basic, but it's so important. And I think that one of the satanic ploys of the enemy is to, to think more about what I'm leaving behind than the one who's been introducing himself to me. And when we read in, in this story in Matthew 9, 9, it can look so abrupt as Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. I think it can, it can seem like, man, I don't have that kind of faith. Like, how did Matthew just get up and go? Uh, look, I'm telling you, the Lord had been revealing himself to Matthew long before this call. 
Jesus was living in Capernaum. Matthew was a tax collector in Capernaum. From where the Roman road went that passed right on the outskirts of Capernaum, which is where the tax collector booth would have been, to the home that Jesus was living in, which was Peter's home where his mother-in-law was healed, you and I, me being a very marginal athlete, I can throw a baseball and hit that house. It's that close. The synagogue where Jesus was gathering and meeting with people is you could underhand toss a baseball from where the tax collector booth would be to the synagogue. So yes, it looks super abrupt that as Jesus went from there, he saw uh, Matthew sitting at the booth and he called him and Matthew follows him. It looks super abrupt. It looks like this like real piercing faith that Matthew had where he just had never even heard of Jesus and then all of a sudden he's following him. But almost 100% guarantee Matthew had been witnessing and watching Jesus. God had been revealing himself to him before he ever called him. And thank the Lord that he does that. Now, the timing is is something else, though. And I think this is important, that he often calls at inopportune times. I love this, this Timothy Keller line. He says that God's sense of timing will always confound ours. His grace rarely operates according to our schedule. Now, sometimes God's call is so sweet. You're at the end of your rope. There's nothing left and the Lord shows up. And it's beautiful. And his timing is just, it's just there's a real sweetness to it. But there's other times that his timing is jarring. And it's very inconvenient. Now, the problem with, with this account, Matthew, the, uh, the tax collector, the accountant, does not give a lot of feel in this account. There's not, like, there's not, there's not a real strong vibe here of what he's, what's going on in his heart. We don't know if he was having a terrible day. And when Jesus shows up, he's like, yes. I hate being a tax collector. I'm so glad you're here. We don't know if he had just like made the biggest deal ever in like tax history and like he was like super extorting that day. We don't know what was going on. It could have just been a day. What we do know is this though. When he laced up those sandals and headed to the booth that morning, he had no idea what God had in store for him. And that's how the Lord always works. We don't know what the Lord is going to do between now and midnight tonight. We don't know what he's going to do between now and the end of this service. All we know, though, is that we can trust that throughout history, all the calls that he's put on people's lives have worked out to be the perfect timing. And so it, we don't know exactly what type of day he was having, but we do know the Lord called him. We do know it was more than likely nothing like he expected would happen that day. And, and I've told my story many times, but only have one story, so I'm gonna to continue to tell it. Um, I mean, my, my conversion story, I was 17, I went to youth camp. I was like just a knucklehead high schooler. Um, we were, I was up in Chattanooga. We were at, uh, at Covenant College. And, uh, and I, you know, I was there for like the girls and to be cool. If there is such a thing, 
youth camp cool, like I was cool, um, wanting to be. And like I stole our counselor's like 4XL Hawaiian shirt. I was wearing that on the last night of camp, just thinking I was awesome. I would have not liked me at that point. Like it's just not a good, not a good, not a good look. Not just you know annoying. Anyway, um, like a 17 year old annoying. And uh, and the last night of camp, I was so glad we were finally going to get to like be done with all the sermons, be done with all the Bible studies, and we could just like just flirt. It was going to be awesome. And and so the guy, the guy preaching, and I wish I knew his name. Um, I, the guy preaching, he said, "Close your eyes and bow your heads." And I was like, let's get this over with. And I closed my eyes and bowed my head. And the Lord just, just ambushed me. And I had no idea going into that service, going into that night, going into that final prayer time, that when I would leave that room, I'd be a born-again follower of Christ. And that life would never be the same. And if you had asked me, does that fit into your calendar? I would have said no. I got big plans for my senior year of high school. I got big plans for how I want to live my life. I've got all these big plans that I want to do. But if you ask me now, was his timing perfect? I'd say absolutely. I wish he'd have come two years before then. If anything, like, man... His timing was so good. I'm so glad that he interrupted my day so that I could be a part of his plans. And so, so yes, he, he's going to reveal himself to us. And by the way, he continually does that. You know, this, it's a relationship with the Lord. Uh, before you're saved, he's revealing himself to you so that you will be his child. And then after you're saved, it's, it's, he's revealing himself to you because what is there better in the world than to know the Lord? It's this continual building of a relationship. And, and as he reveals himself to us, um, when he calls us, uh, whether it's to make a move as a Christian or to become a Christian when he calls us, it's never going to be in our timing, but it's always going to be good. But he's always going to ask us to leave the former life behind. And we can, we can see this in Matthew's life. Matthew could not continue to be a tax collector. You know, you know why, it, like in the Bible, it calls, calls people sinners? It doesn't really translate into modern English because when we call someone a sinner, we're talking about like something they do in their life that's like bad or shameful, or at least I don't do that, um, but they do. Like we call them a sinner. If you're a Jewish person and you're a sinner, it means that you are perpetually unclean and cannot go into the temple and worship. And that would happen because of a lifestyle choice, in particular a job. Tax collectors were sinners because they handled graven images. They handled coins that called Roman leaders sons of God, divine. They were handling graven images perpetually, so they were never clean enough to go into the temple. So they were called sinners because they were never cleansed to be able to worship. So, so he, he couldn't continue to be that guy and follow the Lord. He was going to have to leave his life behind. And it's really important to realize that repentance is not punishment. Punishment is penance. 
But repentance is a chance to change your mind and go a different direction. And that is a gift. It's a blessing. And I think maybe it's helpful to understand why did Matthew say yes, but the scribe and the other disciple said no. So let's, let's go back to these, these drawings. And here I have just the whole thing drawn out for you. So here is, I know it's not very big, but these drawings are good. Uh, I did have an artist last hour um, tell me that he would help me. I took an offense. Um, and so, anyway, uh, so you have this, you know, you've got the, the leper that's cleansed. You've got the centurion whose servant is cleansed. You've got Peter's mother-in-law and the crowds that are healed. And then you have the scribe and the, uh, the disciple who both walk away from Jesus then you have the, the storm that's calmed. You have the demoniac where the demons go into the pigs. Uh, you have the, the, the man who is healed, who um, is paralyzed. And then you have Matthew's call. Now, why does Matthew say yes, but these two guys say no? You see, the third point, I think, is the sticking point for almost everybody. That you have to leave the old life behind. And I think the, the reason is like very simple. I think that the, the, the two guys, the scribe and, and the disciple, I think the reason they stopped following Jesus is because all they could think about was what they were giving up. I think that's all they could think about is what they were losing to follow Jesus. And I think the reason Matthew could get up and leave the old life behind and follow Jesus was because all he could think about was who was calling him. And he is the pearl of great price, Jesus is. But if the focus is on how much the pearl cost, you'll never buy it. However, if the focus is the pearl and its superior worth, Letting go of what you have will become the most natural thing you can do. I mean, why did Peter sink, you know, when he walked on the water? Did the waves become too strong? Was the wind too strong? No, because he thought about the boat. He stopped thinking about Jesus. I think, I think Matthew wasn't at all thinking about what he was leaving behind. He was thinking about who he was going to. And I, 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 it's, it's, it, he, he had this understanding of, of his current situation. I think when you, he thought about going to Jesus, it made his current reality very, very clear. It didn't muddy his reality. I think it made it very clear. And I think that he realized that he was being rescued and not punished by being asked to leave his old life behind. And However, it's important to know that there were things in Matthew's life that died that day. And death is, death is painful. And in the call of the Lord, when he asks us to leave one thing to go to another, something dies in the process. And I, I, if, if, if this sermon has been one that's come back to my mind so many times, there's a song that, again, if you're a young adult, and you're, you and I were together a bunch, you know that I love William um, Hastings, Benjamin Hastings, and I, I quote a couple of his songs like, 
all the time. And, uh, and so if, you, if you're familiar with me quoting his songs, he has this one song that I've quoted at least a dozen times. We'll make it a baker's dozen before the year's out, okay? Um, it's the, the Cathedral of the Nelder Grove. And, uh, and I was talking with Jackson Randall. We were texting after the service. Jackson is lived in, in California for several years doing ministry. And this Nelder Grove of giant sequoias was pretty close to their church. And people would go there for, um, for a Christian camp. It was this beautiful place. But in 2017, there was a railroad fire. And this fire came through. I think we got a picture of the, of the fire um, as it came through. The fire came through. And it killed tons and tons of these giant sequoia. And, and uh, Benjamin Hastings has in one of his songs this account. And an ecologist is talking in the song. And he talks about this, this moment when this fire comes through. It almost hit the Christian camp. So many things happened. So many things died. But wildfires burn at either low to moderate temperatures or extreme temperatures. And with sequoias, giant sequoias in particular, the only way there's regrowth is if the fire gets hot enough and really, really burns the forest. The only way there's new growth is when the fire heats up the sap and the, 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 the cones are able to open and the seeds are able to come out. If it's just a little fire, you're never going to have regrowth. And when the Lord calls us to follow him, sometimes the fire is so hot. You think you can barely stand it when he asks us to leave an old life and come and follow him. But it's actually a healing fire. And what you have in the process of a super hot fire, the ecologist says, we can show the picture, is you actually have hundreds more times the growth of new giant sequoias than were there before the fire. But for the forest to grow and repopulate and be bigger and better than ever, the old world had to burn down. And so some things were burnt up in Matthew's life the day he was called. But what he got in the bargain was hundreds times more life than he could have garnered on his own. And then after Matthew focuses on Jesus, follows Jesus, is called by Jesus, been introduced to Jesus, after, after all of this, I want you to know that the Lord redirects and repurposes our giftings for him. And this is exciting. Most Christians don't ever get to see this. They're too, they're too afraid to really let go of the old life and really follow Jesus for the Lord, to, for them to see how God has gifted them and given them experiences so that they can use those gifts for him. It's, it's, you just see so few people actually operating in their giftedness because they're just afraid to let go. But Matthew, look what he did. He recorded a whole gospel. Think about it. Who better to record every word in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the longest recording te recorded teaching that we have of Jesus? Who better to do that than someone who for years had been honing the skill of recording exact transactions? 
The Lord had been getting him ready for years to leave that life behind, but use those skills for the kingdom. I think it's, it's awesome to see that, uh, that, that he was focused on the Lord, and as he was focused on the Lord, left his old life behind, God said, Matthew, I've got all these gifts and skills I've given you, and I've given you jobs that have cultivated those. Now you're going to use those for me. And it's, it's, again, I just, wish that, I just wish that there was more folks who were willing to leave the old life behind, follow Jesus fully, and then just be amazed at how the Lord uses something that he prepared in you long ago that you never thought could be used for his glory, and then it's used for his glory. I mean, that is so attractive to a lost and dying world. I was scared to death as a kid for missionaries. Like, I thought if you became a Christian, everybody had to be a missionary. And they told their stories terrible. Looking at you, Barrett Fisher. Uh, like, Barrett, Barrett was a good example. But like Barrett, there were so many missionaries when I was a kid. They would come to our church, and they would talk about how terrible the living conditions were. Talk about how hard language school was. Talk about how no one got saved. And I was like, you are not marketing yourselves well at all. And, and, and then they would say something like, um, and isn't God good for calling us? And I was like, if that's God's call, it's getting screened. Like, that is going to voicemail. I'm not answering that. Uh, and I do think their call was good. I do think their call was good. But what I heard so often was their, their job God gave them more than the God who gave them the job. And I think one of the beautiful things about Matthew is that God gave him a job. He recorded this gospel. He was an incredible disciple and witness. But Matthew never lost sight of the one who gave him his job. And I think that's what kept him going, this love, this relationship with the Lord. But look, as, as we kind of, as, as we land the plane, I do think there's one last question that we have to answer. And the question is simply this. Why did Matthew include his calling? He, he could have skipped his calling. He could have just recorded the book. And why did he include his calling in these two chapters with all these really sick people? The first time I studied this passage, I didn't see this, but as I've restudied it, it just jumped off the page and I was just amazed. So one more time to look at the, at the iPad. You see the... You got the leper, you got the centurion with the sick servant, you got the sick people, you've got the storm, you've got the two demoniacs, you've got the paralyzed guy, you've got the scribe, and you've got the, the disciple, you've got Matthew here in the middle, and then the conclusion is two blind men, a dead girl, a woman with an issue of blood who touches the hem of Jesus' robe, and a mute man. The leper, the sick, the mother-in-law, the paralytic, the storm, the demoniacs, the bleeding, the dead, the blind, the mute. He realizes it's not Jesus calling the obviously sick. He's showing that everyone in these two chapters is obviously sick. He is just as sick in the heart as those other people are in the body. This, these whole two chapters show that we're all broken. 
The problem is the scribe and the Pharisee, or the scribe and the disciple, they weren't blind or lame or any of those things. And so they weren't those people. So they didn't really need healing. They didn't really need a doctor. Matthew, however, realized he's the same as the mute and the deaf and the blind, even though he sat perfectly healthy at a tax collector booth, he was the same, and he needed a doctor. Matthew includes all the sick people because he knows he is the sick people, and he knows that we are the sick people. The question is, can we see it? When Jesus ends the, 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 this passage speaking to the Pharisees, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician. And by the way, no one's well. But those who are sick, and by the way, we are all the sick. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came to call I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And we are all sinners. The question is, can we see it? Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament prophet Hosea. I'll read you the section that it comes from. In context, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. I love that line. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. And then skip down to verse six. For I desire steadfast love and sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. There's no sacrifice for Matthew to leave that tax collector booth because it wasn't sacrifices that God was into anyway. It was knowing the Lord that Matthew wanted. As we prepare to to take the Lord's Supper in just a minute, I want us to begin preparing our hearts. Have we realized that we are the sick Have we realized how beautiful the one who called Matthew is and the one who calls us is? Or have we thought more about what we might be leaving behind than the one who's calling us to follow him? Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask that as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper now, you would just search our hearts, Lord, You would tear us down, but bind us back up if that's what we need. Lord, help our minds to not drift towards the things we might be giving up, but instead help us to focus on you, the one calling us. You are the pearl of great price. Lord, I thank you that you come not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's what we all are. And I thank you that it's not the most disciplined life that you're after, but Lord, you're after a person who seeks your mercy. May we be those people. Lord, would you move in our hearts as this year comes to a close and as we prepare for the next. May we be folks who can't imagine anything other than following 
the beautiful, wonderful, powerful man, Jesus. It's in his name I pray, amen.